Letter 6 to his brother John, at college. Cross Weeksong, New Jersey, December 28, 1745. Very dear brother, I am in one continued, perpetual, and uninterrupted hurry. And divine providence throws so much upon me that I do not see it will ever be otherwise. May I obtain mercy of God to be faithful to the death. I cannot say I am weary of my hurry. I only want strength and grace to do more for God than I have ever yet done. My dear brother, the Lord of heaven, that has carried me through many trials, bless you. Bless you for time, and eternity. And fit you to do service for him in his church below, and to enjoy his blissful presence in his church triumphant. My brother, the time is short oh let us fill it up for God. Let us count the sufferings of this present time as nothing, if we can but run our race, and finish our course with joy. Oh, let us strive to live to God. I bless the Lord, I have nothing to do with earth, but only to labor honestly in it for God, till I shall accomplish as an hireling my day. I think I do not desire to live one minute for anything that earth can afford. Oh, that I could live for none but God, till my dying moment. I am your affectionate brother, David Brainerd. Letter 7 to his brother Israel, then a student at Yale College, New Haven. Elizabethtown, New Jersey, November 24, 1746. Dear brother, I had determined to make you and my other friends in New England a visit this fall partly from an earnest desire I had to see you and them, and partly with a view to the recovery of my health, which has, for more than three months past, been much impaired. And in order to prosecute this design, I set out from my own people about three weeks ago, and came as far as to this place, where, my disorder greatly increasing, I have been obliged to keep house ever since, until the day before yesterday, at which time I was able to ride about half a mile, but found myself much tired with the journey. I have now no hopes of prosecuting my journey into New England this winter. My present state of health will by no means admit of it. Although I am, through divine goodness, much better than I was some days ago. Yet I have not strength now to ride more than ten miles a day, if the season were warm, and fit for me to travel in. My disorder has been attended with several symptoms of a consumption. And I have been at times apprehensive that my great change was at hand yet blessed be God, I have never been affrighted. But, on the contrary, at times much delighted with the view of its approach. Oh. The blessedness of being delivered from the clogs of flesh and sense, from a body of sin and spiritual death. Oh, the unspeakable sweetness of being translated into a state of complete purity and perfection. Believe me, my brother, a lively view and hope of these things, will make the king of terrors himself appear agreeable. Dear brother, let me entreat you to keep eternity in your view, and behave yourself as becomes one that must shortly give an account of all things done in the body that God may be your God, and prepare you for his service here, and his kingdom of glory hereafter, is the desire and daily prayer of your affectionate loving brother, David Brainerd. Letter 8 to his brother Israel, at college written in the time of his extreme illness in Boston, a few months before his death. My dear brother, Boston, June 30, 1747. It is from the sides of eternity I now address you. I am heartily sorry that I have so little strength to write what I long so much to communicate to you. But let me tell you, my brother, eternity is another thing than we ordinarily take it to be in a healthful state. 
Oh, how vast and boundless! Oh, how fixed and unalterable! Oh, of what infinite importance is it, that we be prepared for eternity? I have been just a dying now for more than a week. And all around me have thought me so. I have had clear views of eternity. Have seen the blessedness of the godly, in some measure. And have longed to share their happy state. As well as been comfortably satisfied, that through grace I shall do so but oh, what anguish is raised in my mind, to think of an eternity for those who are Christless, for those who are mistaken, and who bring their false hopes to the grave with them. The sight was so dreadful I could by no means bear it my thoughts recoiled, and I said, under a more affecting sense than ever before, who can dwell with everlasting burnings. Oh, methought, could I now see my friends, that I might warn them to see to it, that they lay their foundation for eternity sure. And you, my dear brother, I have been particularly concerned for. And have wondered I so much neglected conversing with you about your spiritual state at our last meeting. Oh, my brother, let me then beseech you now to examine, whether you are indeed a new creature? Whether you have ever acted above self? Whether the glory of God has ever been the sweetest and highest concern with you? Whether you have ever been reconciled to all the perfections of God? In a word, whether God has been your portion, and a holy conformity to him your chief delight? If you cannot answer positively, Consider seriously the frequent breathings of your soul but do not however put yourself off with a slight answer. If you have reason to think you are graceless, oh give yourself in the throne of grace no rest, till God arise and save. But if the case should be otherwise, bless God for his grace, and press after holiness. My soul longs that you should be fitted for, and in due time go into, the work of the ministry. I cannot bear to think of your going into any other business in life. Do not be discouraged, because you see your elder brothers in the ministry die early, one after another. I declare, now I am dying, I would not have spent my life otherwise for the whole world. But I must leave this with God. If this line should come to your hands soon after the date, I should be almost desirous you should set out on a journey to me it may be, you may see me alive which I should much rejoice in. But if you cannot come, I must commit you to the grace of God, where you are. May he be your guide and counselor, your sanctifier and eternal portion. Oh, my dear brother, flee fleshly lusts, and the enchanting amusements, as well as corrupt doctrine, of the present day. And strive to live to God. Take this as the last line from your affectionate dying brother, David Brainerd, letter 9 to a young gentleman a candidate for the work of the ministry, for whom he had a special friendship. Also written at the same time of his great illness and nearness to death in Boston. Very dear sir, how amazing it is, that the living who know they must die, should notwithstanding put far away the evil day, in a season of health and prosperity. And live at such an awful distance from a familiarity with the grave, and the great concerns beyond it. And especially it may justly fill us with surprise that any whose minds have been divinely enlightened, to behold the important things of eternity as they are, I say, that such should live in this manner. And yet, sir, how frequently is this the case? How rare are the instances of those who live and act from day to day, as on the verge of eternity, striving to fill up all their remaining moments in the service and to the honor of their great master. We insensibly trifle away time, while we seem to have enough of it. 
and are so strangely amused, as in a great measure to lose a sense of the holiness and blessed qualifications necessary to prepare us to be inhabitants of the heavenly paradise. But oh, dear sir, a dying bed, if we enjoy our reason clearly, will give another view of things. I have now, for more than three weeks, lain under the greatest degree of weakness. The greater part of the time, expecting daily and hourly to enter into the eternal world sometimes had been so far gone, as to be wholly speechless, for some hours together. And oh, of what vast importance has a holy spiritual life appeared to me to be at this season. I have longed to call upon all my friends, to make it their business to live to God. And especially all that are designed for, or engaged in, the service of the sanctuary. Oh, dear sir. Do not think it enough to live at the rate of common Christians. Alas, to how little purpose do they often converse, when they meet together. The visits even of those who are called Christians indeed, are frequently extremely barren. And conscience cannot but condemn us for the misimprovement of time, while we have been conversant with them. But the way to enjoy the Divine Presence, and be fitted for distinguishing service for God, is to live a life of great devotion and constant self-dedication to Him. Observing the motions and dispositions of our own hearts, whence we may learn the corruptions that lodge there, and our constant need of help from God for the performance of the least duty. And oh, dear sir, let me beseech you frequently to attend the great and precious duties of secret fasting and prayer. I have a secret thought from some things I have observed, that God may perhaps design you for some singular service in the world. On them labor to be prepared and qualified to do much for God. Read M. R. Edwards's piece on the affections, again and again. And labor to distinguish clearly upon experiences and affections in religion, that you may make a difference between the gold and the shining dross. I say, labor here, if ever you would be a useful minister of Christ. For nothing has put such a stop to the work of God in the late day as the false religion, and the wild affections that attend it. Suffer me therefore, finally, to entreat you earnestly to give yourself to prayer, to reading and meditation on divine truths strive to penetrate to the bottom of them, and never be content with a superficial knowledge. By this means, your thoughts will gradually grow weighty and judicious. And you hereby will be possessed of a valuable treasure, out of which you may produce things new and old, to the glory of God. And now, I commend you to the grace of God earnestly desiring that a plentiful portion of the Divine Spirit may rest upon you. That you may live to God in every capacity of life, and do abundant service for Him in a public one, if it be His will. And that you may be richly qualified for the inheritance of the saints in light. I scarce expect to see your face any more in the body. And therefore entreat you to accept this as the last token of love, from your sincerely affectionate dying friend, David Brainerd. P. S. I am now, at the dating of this letter, considerably recovered from what I was when I wrote it. It having lain by me some time, for want of an opportunity of conveyance. It was written in Boston. I am now able to write a little, and so am removed into the country but have no more expectation of recovering than when I wrote, though I am a little better for the present. And therefore I still subscribe myself, your dying friend, etc. D.B. Letter 10 to his brother John, at Bethel, the town of Christian Indians in New Jersey. Written likewise at Boston, when he was there on the brink of the grave, in the summer before his death. Dear brother, 
I am now just on the verge of eternity, expecting very speedily to appear in the unseen world. I feel myself no more an inhabitant of earth, and sometimes earnestly long to depart and be with Christ. I bless God, He has for some years given me an abiding conviction, that it is impossible for any rational creature to enjoy true happiness without being entirely devoted to Him. Under the influence of this conviction I have in some measure acted. Oh that I had done more so. I saw both the excellency and necessity of holiness in life. But never in such a manner as now, when I am just brought to the side of the grave. Oh, my brother, pursue after holiness. Press towards this blessed mark. And let your thirsty soul continually say, I shall never be satisfied till I awake in thy likeness. Although there has been a great deal of selfishness in my views, of which I am ashamed, and for which my soul is humbled at every view. Yet, blessed be God, I find I have really had, for the most part, such a concern for His glory, and the advancement of His kingdom in the world, that it is a satisfaction to me to reflect upon these years. And now, my dear brother, as I must press you to pursue after personal holiness, to be as much in fasting and prayer as your health will allow, and to live above the rate of common Christians. So I must entreat you solemnly to attend to your public work. Labor to distinguish between true and false religion. And to that end, watch the motions of God's Spirit upon your own heart. Look to Him for help. And impartially compare your experiences with His Word. Read Mr. Edwards on the affections, where the essence and soul of religion is clearly distinguished from false affections. Value religious joys according to the subject matter of them there are many who rejoice in their supposed justification. But what do these joys argue, but only that they love themselves? Whereas, in true spiritual joys the soul rejoices in God for what he is in himself. Blesses God for his holiness, sovereignty, power, faithfulness, and all his perfections. Adores God that he is what he is, that he is unchangeably possessed of infinite glory and happiness. Now when men thus rejoice in the perfections of God, and in the infinite excellency of the way of salvation by Christ, and in the holy commands of God, which are a transcript of His holy nature. These joys are divine and spiritual. Our joys will stand by us at the hour of death, if we can be then satisfied that we have thus acted above self. And in a disinterested manner, if I may so express it, rejoiced in the glory of the blessed God. I fear you are not sufficiently aware how much false religion there is in the world. Many serious Christians and valuable ministers are too easily imposed upon by this false blaze. I likewise fear, you are not sensible of the dreadful effects and consequences of this false religion. Let me tell you, it is the devil transformed into an angel of light. It is the brat of hell, that always springs up with every revival of religion, and stabs and murders the cause of God while it passes current with multitudes of well-meaning people for the height of religion. Set yourself, my brother, to crush all appearances of this nature among the Indians, and never encourage any degrees of heat without light. Charge my people in the name of their dying minister, yea, in the name of him who was dead and is alive, to live and walk as becomes the gospel. Tell them, how great the expectations of God and his people are from them, and now awfully they will wound God's cause if they fall into vice, as well as fatally prejudice other poor Indians. Always insist, that their experiences are rotten, 
that the joys are delusive, although they may have been wrapped up into the third heavens in their own conceit by them, unless the main tenor of their lives be spiritual, watchful, and holy. In pressing these things, thou shalt both save thyself, and those that hear thee. God knows, I was hardly willing to have served him longer in the work of the ministry, although it had still been attended with all the labors and hardships of past years, if he had seen fit that it should be so but as his will now appears otherwise, I am fully content, and can with utmost freedom say, the will of the Lord be done. It affects me to think of leaving you in a world of sin my heart pities you, that those storms and tempests are yet before you, which I trust, through grace, I am almost delivered from. But God lives, and blessed be my rock he is the same almighty friend and will, I trust, be your guide and helper, as he has been mine. And now, my dear brother, I commend you to God, and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up, and give you inheritance among all them that are sanctified. May you enjoy the divine presence both in private and public. And may the arms of your hands be made strong, by the right hand of the mighty God of Jacob. Which are the passionate desires and prayers of your affectionate dying brother, David Brainerd. Stillwater's Revival Books is now located at PuritanDownloads.com. It's your worldwide online reformation home for the very best in free and discounted classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books, MP3s, and videos. For much more information on the Puritans and Reformers, including the best free and discounted classic and contemporary books, MP3s, digital downloads, and videos, please visit Stillwater's Revival Books at PuritanDownloads.com. Stillwater's Revival Books also publishes the Puritan Hard Drive, the most powerful and practical Christian study tool ever produced. All thanks and glory be to the mercy, grace, and love of the Lord Jesus Christ for this remarkable and wonderful new Christian study tool. The Puritan Hard Drive contains over 12,500 of the best Reformation books, MP3s, and videos ever gathered onto one portable Christian study tool. An extraordinary collection of Puritan, Protestant, Calvinistic, Presbyterian, Covenanter, and Reformed Baptist resources. It's fully upgradable and it's small enough to fit in your pocket. The Puritan hard drive combines an embedded database containing many millions of records with the most amazing and extraordinary custom Christian search and research software ever created. The Puritan hard drive has been produced to assist you in the fascinating and exhilarating spiritual, intellectual, familial, ecclesiastical, and societal adventure that is living the Christian life. It has been specifically designed so that you might more faithfully know, serve, and love the Lord Jesus Christ, as well as to help you to do all you can to bring glory to His great name. If you want to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, then the Puritan hard drive is for you. Visit PuritanDownloads.com today for much more information on the Puritan hard drive and to take advantage of all the free and discounted Reformation and Puritan books, MP3s, and videos that we offer at Stillwater's Revival Books.